0: This month's "Where Did the Road Go?" is brought to you by three amazing people: Super Inframan, Allison Cook, and Thirty Six Dingo. If you want to become a patron or a sponsor, go to wheredidtheroadgo.com. And now our show.
1: Transmission start. Welcome to "Where Did the Road Go." Join us as we wander off the path and explore lost history, consciousness, the paranormal. Unexplained Mysteries, Alternative Thought, and much more. We are present on the web at Where Did the Now, here is your host, Saraya.
0: Welcome to this edition of Where Did the Road Go? And tonight we have a supersized round table. We have. Let's see if I can remember all of you. Uh, Taylor! Hey! super inframan hello christopher ernst hey everybody red pill junkie feliz navidad and ap strange hi there so uh yeah this is this is i think six is probably the most we've ever had on a show i can't remember how many we had on the last huge round table it might have been mm-hmm. five maybe six i don't know we almost had seven before we almost had seven octavian was going to join us but then he he couldn't at the last minute but uh, I, I think we have more than enough people here.
2: Too mystical a number; wouldn't be able to deal with seven.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Skype kicked you out already. It did, yeah. It yeah, kicked me out seven, and or, uh, sh- send six me six a bunch of
2: runes and uh, uh, the place of the program.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, that was weird.
2: It was just ASCII code.
0: All right, so um, yeah, this is the the year end show. So if you're hearing this live on VBR, you're literally hearing it on the 31st of Jul- uh, July. Yeah, July. It's July now. Uh, I've, I've I've mixed up the months <laughs> and just thrown them into a mixer uh, or December, whichever you prefer. It uh, can happen. And patrons should also have this on the 31st going into the new year because um, that is Saturday, right? I got that right? Uh, yep. Sunday's yeah. the first. So uh, people on uh, regular feed won't get it till a week later. But this is our year-end show, the last show recorded in uh, 2022. But that's right, right? We're not still in 2020? <laughs> uh, well, I think we're in 1995, right? C- 2020 Part 3. <laughs> there we go. 2020 Part 3. That feels right. Also 1995, like AKA 1995 also works. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm still
2: there. At least half of me is.
0: <laughs> Uh, and so much stuff just cycles. So, um, Red Pill, you you were you were going over the Daily Grail stuff about stuff that happened this year, and the the one that struck me was uh the Georgia Guidestones got blown up.
3: Yeah, exactly. On July sixth, apparently, we're on July, early July.
0: Yeah, so that, that that's just one of those things. Like, really, <laughs> not not something I ever would have expected somebody to do.
4: Yeah, hmm. it was also comical the the reason it happened too, and like who who blew it up.
0: I don't. I don't know if I knew who blew it up.
4: Well, it was as far as I remember, it was people who were um, kind of on on the far right and were were blowing it up because of um, they they felt like it was a threat to Christianity. Um, yeah, exactly. And it was something that was provoked by a politician
5: whose name escapes me. Yeah, she was running for governor, I think, in Georgia. Right. That's, okay.
6: That's, yeah. Yeah.
5: I did know uh, that. Yeah, I mean, it's weird that they haven't caught anybody though I mean there's nobody specifically that they caught and they had cameras
6: all over the place
3: uh, um, do you think they're really searching that hard
1: <laughs> yeah
6: <clears throat> you know they're one of those things that I think outside of you know fringe communities people weren't really that aware of until uh, that lady's political campaign brought it up and then of course uh, them actually getting demolished by the uh, explosion probably spread the material on the guidestones farther than they ever would have been <laughs> had nobody mentioned them. That's true
4: that's true. something it's, nobody knows about blows
2: uh, up
6: yeah. how everyone knows they, if people are interested you know
2: at least for me, I really enjoyed uh, uh, I don't know if you know for listeners if anybody who listens to is familiar with uh, Dr. Future, um, who's a frequently a guest over there. Uh, but he, he, uh, and his real name, J. Michael Bennett, he was one of the directors of this documentary called, um, dark clouds over Elberton, the true story of the Georgia Guidestones. And he has a really convincing argument for, and I'm totally forgetting the name of the guy, but who the guy was, who actually was RC Christian who funded and, you know, was behind the whole thing. And it turns out he is a, uh, sort of uh christian fundamentalist conservative uh from somewhere in the midwest i think i forget the name of the
0: guy you know i can't remember either the the stuff that was written on the stones for the most part was pretty common sense for rebuilding a society yeah And the fact that it was written in a bunch of different languages also kind of made sense. Yeah, that's, that's the interesting part. Yeah. I don't know. The whole, the whole thing is really odd. And and people took offense at the, you know, limit like population to a hundred thousand or whatever. And because I think they, they felt like someone was saying, Oh, we should reduce the population to a hundred thousand rather than. Just don't overpopulate if, you know, if, if we get almost wiped out. Right. And I
6: think that was actually some of the rhetoric that got spread by the, uh, politician as well. Right. Um, right. But, you know, and then the, the builder from the documentary that Chris brought up, it's, it's, it really is a great documentary. Um, uh, there's some sort of bizarre Roscrucian connections in it too. Yeah. That, okay. Like phone numbers to random places and things like that, that were like, really? you know, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm sorry, I can't remember the details very well, but if anybody you, else, I think know. I think you can. I think actually, think it's
2: on archive.org. You can watch it. Like if you search for "Dark Clouds Over Elberton," it's out there. You can uh, uh, watch it. I thought yeah. it was on YouTube as well. Yeah. It might be on yeah. YouTube as well. That shows yeah, you. Know, it just shows you that I'm I'm old and weird because I'm like,
0: go to archive.org, <laughs> go to geocities <laughs> <laughs> Wait, the, does GeoCity still exist? In my heart, it does.
6: Probably. <laughs> uh, if you'd like to go to my Angel Fire website.
0: <laughs> Every once in a while, I'll I'll have an older customer, and I'll be like, okay, what's your email? And They'll be whatever, whatever, at AOL.com, and I'm just like, really? Okay. Yep, they're still alive and kicking. <laughs> it's like, huh, AOL, after all these years. I wonder if someday people
2: will pay for emails with AOL extensions or something the same way that uh like 212 numbers get uh get traded on the black market <laughs>
0: <laughs> maybe um obviously as as any year uh, a bunch of people died this year uh, uh red pill you were you were listing off a few people right f- at the beginning of the yeah. year there
3: prominent na- very prominent names in ufology actually you know the yeah. first one betty Andreas, and Luca. Uh, one of the most important uh, abductees. I don't know if I... Although I don't know if I, 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 we should categorize Betty as an abductee or more like a contactee. I don't know. I don't know what you guys think.
5: I think an experiencer is maybe just, a, you know, a more
2: generalized...
5: Yeah, term.
3: that's what
2: I was going to say, too.
5: Sure. So I'm actually I'm actually not very
4: familiar with uh, Betty Andreessen's story. Could, uh, could give me
2: a,
3: a quick rundown? Uh, it starts in the... 1970s. Well, Australia started like. I think
2: it was the late six, like 67, I think. Yeah, you're right. I guess in 67, um, and and. I only know that because of the Massachusetts connection.
3: I remembered it because yeah. uh, how many times yeah, exactly, much time and, and, and and some entities somehow managed to enter her home without even opening the door. You know, like <laughs> it, like passing through the, the solid uh, wooden door and all the people that were in the house with the exception of Betty, uh, were like, uh, frozen, you know, like in mm-hmm. suspended animation mm-hmm. or something. And these entities, one of the, them, was the leader whose name was Wasaga, asked <laughs> Betty to, to come with them because they, they, the, 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 there was a very important mission that she needed to, to, uh, you know, join. So, Betty joins them, and they they go into their craft. And after preparing her, they go to this I don't know if it was a planet or another realm or another dimension, another plane of existence, where she saw all sorts of really w- w- weird stuff, including uh, a vision of a giant bird, like it was like a, some something of a you know golden glowing eagle that is consumed in ashes like a like a phoenix of mythology and from the ashes uh, there was like a, a gray worm that erupted and after that uh, Betty heard a voice that said you have seen you have heard do you understand something like that and she understood that it was kind of like the voice of God. Uh, God basically asking her to spread the message because it was important for the survival of humanity. And that's just the first of the recollected experiences mm-hmm. that Betty managed mm-hmm. to, to remember through Hypnotic, hypnotic regression. Okay. Uh, there are many other uh, tales uh, that she was involved in, in in other books that were written by. I want to say Raymond Fowler. Brenda yes, Fowler.
2: Raymond Fowler. She worked with, and I think that when she ended up working with Fowler, it was that she h- ended up having uh, like recollect- recollections going back to her childhood. So you know, yeah, Again, it opens up the again, sort of yes. the hypno the hope hypnosis question, but yeah, she had all these um, uh, recalled all of these experiences going pretty far back. And I want to say that she also was having OBEs, like, uh, too. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. Yeah.
3: that's the thing that uh, Betty's story is very, it has some of the tropes of classic abduction tales, you know, there are are medical procedures, and she also witnessed uh, what seemed to be alien-human hybrids that were harvested from women and then collected into some kind of, like, uh, uh, glass tanks Mm -hmm. that were there, you know, for for them to, you know, I guess, uh, live and grow uh, and many other things. But the other aspect of of Betty Andreessen's story is uh, very mystical, you know, Totally with a lot of and religious very, overtones. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Very, very Christianity based as well. <laughs> For sure, because yeah. she was, uh, I mean, she was Christian. And also, uh, I, at one point, I thought there was a very interesting connection between her story and the Shaker community that mm-hmm. was, uh, located in that part of Massachusetts where she lived. Uh, I don't think that people have explored that in depth because, the Shaker women are also very uh, much used to receiving these kind of like messages from the beyond. Mm, interesting. Um, that's
2: where the Shaker name comes from, is uh, uh, I believe, isn't it? From the sort of the the ecstatic experiences that they'd have, literally, that their bodies would shake. Or am I completely making that up? Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. they have these like right. dances, yeah. you know, in yeah. which they let themselves go, and I think that's the name they they receive yeah. because of that.
4: Yeah, and I mean, that, it's, the imagery of the phoenix and sort of this this gray worm erupting from the ashes and everything that that seems very symbolic and almost alchemical. I guess that's I don't know if that's the kind of angle that that sort of um, bleeds
6: into some of that uh, mystical
4: stuff, but it's very interesting.
6: Yeah, you know, it's almost a, a reverse uh, butterfly kind of thing. You know, usually you have the the worm that cocoons and turns into a, something that flies, yeah. but you got a, a phoenix that burns and turns into a worm. Um, which is and
3: interesting. Also, yeah, and also there's the apocalyptic overtones—the idea that well, yeah. yeah, maybe our civilization will collapse, and from the ashes of our civilization, a, a new world will will emerge.
1: Do Do
6: we know uh, when she started talking about uh, human hybrids and things like that? Um, uh, I think that's in the second book. Face
5: two. Yeah. Okay. If you if you get the book uh The Watchers, that kinda goes into like everything. He kind of recaps everything yeah. Ray Fow- Ray Fowler does. He kind of recaps it all. Uh, more succinctly okay uh, and then interestingly enough fowler started remembering a lot of stuff that happened to him as well yeah exactly so, he, so he, came, he himself came
3: out as an up, up to team
5: now th- yeah th- I- through betty's experiences it's almost like he was able to really remember and experience his own <laughs> yeah you know, yeah, that, so. yeah yeah
0: yeah am i am I-, I wrong in saying that fowler was also a spook at one point i think you are wrong okay all right who's the one that did betty and barney hill (laughs) sprinkle no 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 who wrote the book oh oh fuller
3: interrupted junior yeah
0: Yeah. so the same guy no 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 not fuller not fowler oh okay f-u-l-l-e-r i think okay all right that's f-o-w that's what i was that's what i was mixing up okay all right
6: so the reason i was Mentioning the uh, hybrids, I was just trying to think about like the timing and when that sort of became a, a recurring element of abduction experiences or experiencers. And it seems like that's probably on the early end of that, but uh, I don't know.
5: Well, I think it's implied in the VS Boas case as well.
6: Oh,
5: okay. Well, so that's probably the earliest, but
3: yeah. <laughs> um... I mean, our friend Joshua Cochin, you know with his book Things the Night will argue that it goes back all the way back to um, the, the Celtic fairy faith.
5: Oh that's true that's true
3: you know the changelings.
5: Well yeah but i mean if you're going to if you're going to do that you could say it goes back to Greek mythology as well. Right. <laughs> exactly yeah. You know, I mean the Zeus would go pretty out of his way to impregnate earth women so uh but <laughs> I- I- interestingly that's that's kind of where fowler goes with some of uh, betty's messaging is that he he titles the book the watchers because he equates it with like the biblical themes of fallen angels um mm-hmm. and you know like enochian angels and things like that that are uh I- interbreeding with humankind back then the gregory were the that was the watchers the Grigori. yes, that's the, yes. yes. yeah that's the name yeah. Yeah, so that's an interesting book, I got to say. It really freaked me out. It is. It. it is. It Totally and, uh, is. Fowler's an interesting guy. I feel like somebody ought to interview him cuz he's like still around and still writing. So
3: <laughs> Yeah, he wrote a book of uh, fiction, I think last time.
5: Um, yeah, but he released a book this year. I, uh, it's, yes. it's called Time Slip Connections. Yeah. So I got a copy of it but haven't haven't dug into it yet.
0: But. Really? Mhm.
5: Yep. And what's, what's- but yeah, he wasn't a spook. He was a school teacher. I okay. Believe.
0: All right. Yeah, yeah, I was mixing him up with the guy who did uh, Betty and Marty Hill. Yeah. So what what's the time slip book
5: about? uh It's... Basically, he's he's like I said, I haven't dug into it yet, but it's um, it's basically one of those things where he's coming up with explanations for all various different kinds of phenomena based on the flexibility and malleability of time and reality. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sounds pretty complicated, but (laughs) (laughs) he does also have like an astrophysics
0: background.
5: Like I think he was an astronomer, like a degree in astronomy or something like that. I believe that's true. Yeah. So,
0: okay. Um, Alta Dillard Dillard also passed away back in October. Not so well known, but, uh, her and her husband, Chad, did like a three-part show with me, I think, and put out one book. They were, uh, pretty close with Mike Cleland as well. Mm. Oh. And, uh, yeah, she passed away in October, unfortunately. Yeah. Their experiences were very interesting. The book, they were, like, the most interesting stuff that happened to them wasn't their UFO experience. Uh, and if you listen to the three part interview, I mean, all this odd stuff happened and the people who did the book were like, no, 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 we just want the UFO part. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they sent me the book and they're like, we're kind of disappointed because we couldn't tell the whole story. But that—that that is how this stuff works. They want everything, you know, packaged neatly for things that don't yeah. work that way. Right. Yeah.
5: Yeah. It's all too common. I think um like spare us the high strangeness because we just want things that we can easily categorize and and put in one box right right
0: it's, right it's the move on uh technique true yeah so what else is on on that list there red pill
3: well the other one notorious uh personality in ufology that also passed away was john lear oh yeah, yeah. he passed
0: away this year yeah yes Huh. And what did John, yeah. John Lear do? John Lear
3: is instrumental in disseminating all the wild UFO conspiracy theories that plagued the field in the 1980s. Yeah. all the stuff about the Dulce underground alien mm-hmm. base yeah. and all the nefarious experiments to create, you know the, the hybrids, and like a silent invasion that the, the, the greys and reptilians were doing to take over the planet. All that became uh, the stuff of pop culture later with the X-Files and stuff. Yeah. Mainly because of uh, John Lear. Yep. yep. His appearances on coast to coast. Exactly. You know, and, and, and if people want to learn more about that, there is no finer source than, uh, Alan go rightly's saucers and spooks and cooks. Yes. yeah, so. I was just going to say that. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's so many things like, I'm just trying to think of the stuff that he was involved in to list for people. If they're not, there was, uh, uh, like, forestalls death um mm-hmm. uh majestic 12 that whole yep. trope mm-hmm. roswell aztec um yeah the,
3: all you said the dulce based stuff yeah what's mm-hmm. the name of this uh, document that he redacted with a, another person that bill cooper then claimed to have seen when he was still attached to the navy and yeah. and, and, and john lear Treasure. said hey bill that we, we made that up Right. Oh, well, <laughs> what was
2: that? I'm now. I'm thinking it wasn't the shape report, was it? Because no, that's the no, that either. was the Robert Bob Bobo Dean thing. It, I totally forget. O I know Krill? exactly what you're talking about. Oh, yeah,
4: yes. yeah, H. yeah, H. yeah. Oh, okay, yeah.
2: o- H. Okay. O- H. O- H. H. Krill. Yes. Oh, Oh, And
6: Aaron Gullius did a did a show on that. On a wonderful uh, on show.
3: Podcast. Yeah, highly yeah. recommended. Yeah.
6: Well, he linked up with uh, Bob Lazar a lot too when they would go out and look at. Uh, yeah, exactly. Bob
3: Lazar oh. and Elworth Chomps, and yeah. and then when John Lazar. Bob Lazar allegedly applied for a job at uh, uh, area 51 uh they asked him about about his friends and, and he told them that he was friends with, with John Lear and apparently that didn't hurt his chances of you know working with alleged, uh retrieved alien craft at s4 mm-hmm. you know i guess they say oh this guy is friends with this cookie that is spilling the beans with all <laughs> this nonsense about ufos and alien threats and all that yeah i'm sure it will be fine
0: he <laughs> you will know, be, be fine to continue the disinfo right exactly. <laughs> instrumental yeah yeah. Exactly. yeah was was uh
4: john lear did he I don't remember, and somebody might have just said it. But did he work for the CIA
3: or? Yes, he did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was the 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 son of. I don't remember the name the name of his dad. Learjet. Was, yeah, the guy yeah, who Bill? created the, the the Learjet. But uh, John got disowned because you know he was a he he had a passion for flying. You know, I think he broke his arm when he was I don't know in his teens. And and after that he he, he uh, became a, a pilot for the CIA, you know, doing uh, spook jobs like Air America stuff in, in Cambodia and Laos and all and all the things. Wow, okay.
4: I think it was Bill Lear, right? Uh, founder yes, the founder of Learjet.
3: Bill Lear. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, go. and 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 that's a re- one of the reasons why a lot of people approached John and to tell him to tell them their cookie uh, UFO stories because they had the impression that John, being the son of this uh, millionaire, was also full of money, but. <laughs> No, sure. That wasn't the case at all. Yeah, as happens when you're disowned. Yeah, yeah. Another, <laughs> another crazy story that uh, John disseminated was the idea that there's uh, a machine on the moon that steals your soul once you
0: die. Oh, of course, that machine, yeah. Yeah, that machine. (laughs) I actually had not heard that one before.
5: I hate it when that happens.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So make sure when you die, it's during the day and the moon's on the other side of the planet?
3: Yeah, Yeah, right. Don't follow the light, guys. That's the machine. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, Isn't isn't that kind of the Carlos Castaneda thing, though? Don't follow the light because it's just going to devour you?
3: Yeah, but that's the ego. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
3: In Carlos' stuff.
0: And I think Whitley had, had some was wondering about that at one point, too. That maybe going well, into it, the light wasn't the thing you should do.
3: Yeah, he has this crazy idea, you know what I mean, that his friends, the visitors, uh, if you don't have a strong soul, they will consume it once you die.
0: Mm, okay, is that what it was? Interesting. Mm-hmm. Did Streiber do anything this year? Uh, he put out a his book, book. Was it last year?
2: It was last year, I
4: think.
3: Yeah. A New World. Yeah. A New World, yeah. I,
4: I know uh, Linda Godfrey died. Yes. Um, actually, fairly ah, recently.
3: Linda Godfrey, yes, you're right.
4: Yeah, she she's the author of uh, The Beast of Bray Road.
6: Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. that was sad. I mean, she's the, the reason we talk about Dogman. Right, yeah. Yeah. Although I must say I, I didn't agree with her theories
3: that it was some kind of like uh, evolution of some kind of like canine. Sure. Mm, right.
0: Well, if you're going to stick with flesh and blood, I mean, that's how many paths do you really have to dog, man? <laughs> that's that's yeah. a good question.
4: Especially yeah. considering the, the substance of a lot of those stories.
0: Yeah. Nobody goes with mad scientist anymore.
2: I want more mad scientists. <laughs> <back>
5: <laughs> you got to yeah. be the mad scientist,
2: Chris. I know. I know. I should.
5: But she did kind of explore some of the supernatural explanations as well, right? With uh, yeah. Like yeah, a so. d- demon dog sort of idea or uh, but uh, I also really like her illustrations in the books. She's she, she uh, did pretty cool illustrations.
0: Oh, she did her own illustrations. Yeah. Oh, I think
5: cool. that's what she was doing for work was writing for and illustrating a newspaper prior to. And that's how she stumbled on the Beast of Bray Road story originally. Interesting. From what I understand. Yeah. Okay. If I'm remembering correctly.
0: Yeah, I didn't I didn't know a whole <laughs> lot about her and I've never no, read any of right. her books. Okay. So I, I don't have that much to, to comment on her about.
6: Yeah, <clears throat> she, now, she, you're definitely right about the uh, journalistic part that she kind of happened upon the story, but I, I don't remember the art part. But that makes a lot of sense.
0: So, um, what what else is on that uh, Daily Grail list there, Red
3: Pill? Yeah, another another personality that died is uh, Brazilian researcher A.J. Capart. Not familiar uh, with him? I'm, yeah, I know that is not familiar with people uh, in the United States, but. I mean he was instrumental in disseminating UFO stories outside Brazil, you know, I guess. If you if you ever heard of the Vargina case or the Vargina case, it's largely because of, of him, you know, along with other other stuff.
5: Were we supposed to get some new documents about that? <laughs> yeah, sure. Any any
0: <laughs> any minute now. And, and, and what was that case? The Virginia case? Yeah. Uh, is
3: the stuff of uh, James Fox's uh New documentary, Moment of Contact, which I haven't uh, seen yet, and I I don't, it's not really that in my priority list, but (laughs) it's a, it's a very prominent case that emerged in the, I want to say in the 1990s, I think 1996, probably. Uh, three, you know, girls were walking to their home in the state of Minas Gerais in Brazil. Uh, and they saw what looked like some kind of like someone hunched, uh, la- leaning on a, on a, uh, wall. Uh, and, and when they looked closer, they saw that this was some kind of like entity with brown skin uh a very prominent uh enlarged head with some with three kind of like bumps on top of the head and large red eyes so obviously the the the, the, the girls scream they run away and but apparently according to the case that's not the end of it because there were other people who also saw a second uh, creature uh, around that place and there are also uh, people connecting the dots saying that uh other reports of uh, a UFO that supposedly crashed in, in the vicinity and the army got involved and they not only secured the beings but also the craft. And one of the soldiers that uh, captured the being touched the, one of the creatures and died as a result of that Uh it's a very convoluted, convoluted and to be honest, I don't put much talk in it. I think that's something that has ballooned out of proportion, although probably the original report uh, is factual. Like the girls probably did see something, whether, right. whether it was, that's what well, was an anomalous entity or maybe something else that's, you know, that's for interpretation. But then uh, James Fox conducted, a lot of interviews in Brazil in the couple, in, in in the last few years, and you know he released the doc- the documentary Moment of Contact this year. I think it was in July or something like that uh, in, in the middle of the year. And so apparently, I don't know if he got more information, but uh, like AP said. Uh, He promised that there was going to be more information that will validate the story, including a video of the creatures that was going to be released. Uh, Obviously, it hasn't happened. I'm willing to bet that it will never happen. (laughs) Did
2: Roger Lear write a book about this? I never read it, but Roger Lear, like the podiatrist
3: guy? Probably. I don't know. I don't know if anybody uh, read that. Yes, uh, as far as stories, uh, UFO stories from Brazil, the Regina case. Along with Antonio Villas-Boas, is probably one of the most famous cases yeah. outside of Brazil. Yeah.
0: Mm, okay. Interesting. And, and there's always that. There's more to come, and then it never comes, and people still follow that carrot. Yeah.
5: Yeah.
0: I mean, that was every
5: the, damn time.
0: That that was the whole "to the stars" thing. Just wait. Just wait a few months, and everything's gonna change. And you know. Yeah. My go-to
5: my go-to analogy for that is uh, Lucy Van Pelt putting the football out for Charlie Brown to kick. Yes. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> every time you know ufo twitter comes running to kick that football and
1: <laughs>
5: it just never never quite works out uh, so, that's right uh it's kind of just kind of hilarious to watch it play out over and over again and uh it's not even not even fun to say i told you so anymore
0: <laughs> no not really <laughs> hasn't
2: yeah, hasn't uh uh the the alien the phenomena uh at uh Bargenia also become sort of a cultural phenomena i just remember looking at it like before i went and we did the uh excuse me the film in um uh visoko about the bosnian pyramids in like the aughts i remember looking at how the uh the city of uh had like like they have a water tower that's ufo related now and they like do it's like a lot of ufo tourist stuff I haven't been there, but I remember reading up on that, doing some research. It's interesting that, like that, that it's it has become a big part of the identity of the town now. I think in a positive way.
3: Like Minas Gerais, I think is uh, a place that has always had uh, a lot of UFO activity and not always positive. Ah, like, okay. Like this is in the, the state of Belem and this is where many of the stories of the chupa chups ah, in the nineteen yeah. seventies came from. The suckers. you know. Yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, this, yeah, yeah. The stories of the of these uh, refrigerator sized objects that will shoot out uh, beams on people that will cause uh, burns and also uh, a loss of uh, white blood cells and this is something that the the, the Brazilian Brazilian government we know that they seriously studied with this uh, uh, project project prato project uh, yeah. saucer uh, I think that the head of the, of the, of that project, you know, the, 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 I think it was a colonel eventually committed suicide. It's uh it's a very strange case. And, and, uh, uh, obviously civilians don't know the whole story. I guess the only civilian, uh, that actually got to see a bit more about those files was, uh, Jacques Ballet when he visited Brazil mm, okay. in the 1980s
2: yeah that's um uh i mean I, I- guess I didn't realize it was near enough to the where the uh the the chupa chupas uh, have been but that makes sense i mean it's interesting I just find it interesting too that you do have sometimes these incidents, and I guess the same is true of Roswell where it becomes culturally uh this you know, really big thing. And then I start to think like, uh, I don't know, you've, you've said many times Saxon, uh, the whole idea of the Bigfoot museum, you know, being like a shrine to Bigfoot type thing. Yeah. Yeah.
6: Yeah. Um, that, you know, and you can go back to Roswell with that too. I mean, there's the museum in downtown and the, yeah, sure. you know their, their chamber of commerce is based around that, but or Point Pleasant, yeah, or Point Pleasant, yeah, and uh, you know the mythology grows and grows. Like tying back into John Lear, uh, when you've got um, oh my gosh, I'm trying to remember the name of the cavern to New Mexico um better. Well they're they're like 2 hours south of Roswell and so suddenly it's like oh you know here's the deep underground bases oh like the act, their actual caverns that are there yeah Yeah it's the the yeah, largest yeah. big room uh yeah. in the United States right. in um mm. uh, in New Mexico and it's like 6 or 7 football fields wide um uh, I mean it's a tremendous space it's basically 7 acres um and so you know you start to put together like okay I can see how somebody uh if they wanted to make up a story would leverage this uh sure. plus you've got Roswell next door too right yeah well there's all, all this
3: these uh, lore you know even before the arrival of the Spaniards about uh you know the Ant people of the Navajo stories of the underground cities you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in caverns and and I found that very, very interesting, you know, and not that I fully believe them, but you hear about that and you hear about other places where they believe there are you know, these underground cities built by advanced civilizations like Shambhala, Agarthi, you know, uh-huh. in Tibet. Uh, this idea, when you connected with what uh, Graham Hancock says in, in his series, Ancient Apoc- Apocalypse, which also happens to have been released this year you know it, it, it is tantalizing to believe that yeah maybe someone knew that something was coming and in order to save themselves they they, they decided to go deep underground in mm-hmm. order to create i don't know bunkers mm-hmm. in order to uh,
6: it, escape it, it, yeah it's it's very interesting because that's like mount shasta too right with the Lumerians. i mean the Mm the stories repeat. And of course, the more you invest in those stories, like, although the, the, the Lemurian thing and non-shasta, I think is more about the,
3: I am activity. (laughs) Right. Uh, but there are sex.
2: other things like the whole uh, you know, the what is it, the from Death Valley Men, uh, the Bork leap book, the that that um uh fable about the Havmasuves in the Panamint Mountains and stuff like that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh and the the uh the Lovelock cave, you know, um, Yeah. inside. There too. So I mean, I think you're right, uh, uh, Saxon. It's yeah, the the the, the Shasta Lemurian thing is is
6: yeah, it's uh oh, oh, it, it cracks me up because uh, you know you when you start putting belief into these places, whether or not these things happened or not, yeah. weird stuff is bound to happen, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, if you go uh, through the middle of uh, downtown and Mount Shasta, there's you know uh, I'm trying to remember the thing the the names for it, but there were tour companies that would take you to liminal spaces on the mountain, yeah, to like experience, you know, like you know, the portals, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it's yeah. oh, it's totally be shasta's totally become a symbol
2: for that, even if yeah. it, yeah, 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 I'm 100, yeah. yeah, same <laughs> with Sedona. Yeah. Oh, that's
5: right, yeah. Um, I need energy vortexes and stuff, yeah,
1: yeah yeah,
3: exactly. yeah, yeah. We have some of that here in Mexico. Here's a place called Tepostlan in Morelos, wow. uh. That's a place where Louis uh, Farrakhan allegedly had a a close encounter. Yes, yes. That is very important in the nation of Islam, although obviously this is not something that is uh, very uh, popular. Yeah, yeah.
2: The the, the work or listen to the work of Stephen Finley, Dr. Stephen Finley. Interesting stuff
6: about that. Yeah. You know, his book just came out, didn't it? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I was trying to remember because I have the book, I couldn't remember who wrote it off the top of my head. And it's uh it's very uh a very well written and well thought out book, but it's so academic that uh mm, it's and, super it's yeah, it's it's hard to penetrate. And I don't mean it is in a bad way. I mean yeah, he really did his work. Yeah. And it takes a lot of uh sociological things into uh, context, which you got to do with something like this.
2: Yeah, no, I think that that, speaks to the
6: audience of that kind of
2: book. That's exactly right. He's very much in the academic sphere. I mean, he was, you know, cool enough to speak at Conspiranormal conference uh, a a couple of years ago, but he's very much like he has to play by certain rules in order to get things done. And, you know, he might not even think about it playing by rules. This might just be his practice, but yeah, it's, it is dense. You're right. That's the very fair (laughs) assumption or it's, it's a it's, uh, 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 very, um, it is, yeah, the academic, the language is academic, and it can sound kind of, uh, you know, it can be kind of hard to crack.
5: Yeah, you got to do a couple intellectual push-ups before you start yeah. doing
2: heavy lifting oh, with that book. I, I don't mean to do apologetics. <laughs> for I guess I have to do apologetics for academics because I got like one foot in there, but yeah, it's still, <laughs> it's still good. But it is, I mean, that is yeah. frust- it is total that type of writing frustrates me, you know, to no end sometimes in many in many contexts too. yeah, yeah right. but I right. think uh, you make a very good point about
4: you know it is very cool that he would come and speak you know at strange realities or or come on you know various podcasts and talk. and you yeah. know that's a lot more accessible. people can can hear him sort of talk about the the stuff that he discovered or yeah. you know has been researching, yeah.
5: Totally. Right, right. Yeah, I it's, think I first heard him on Radio Mysterioso, and that was that that was an awesome chat
2: between him and yes. Greg. Yes. Yeah. Him and Greg mm-hmm. had a great cool. chat. Yeah.
5: I
6: didn't know he was on that uh Radio Misterioso too. I'll go look for that. I, yeah. I just heard him on This uh, is a while back, yeah. Conspiranormal.
3: Normal. Okay. Probably
6: yeah. two years ago or yeah. three, yeah. maybe. Yeah. yeah. Two or three years ago. Yeah. Oh you know, speaking of uh Whitley and other podcasts, Jeremy Vaney is hosting uh on Dreamland now. <laughs> he is yeah he's, right. he's, yeah. He, yeah. Yeah, he's the sub
2: yeah. yeah, I, I thought that
5: was kind of awesome. That is cool. Does he have a new book out or something? I haven't. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Got yeah.
2: Uh, you you just it. interviewed him, didn't you,
0: Sarai? I did. I, I yeah. interviewed him for that, and then he came back on to do a show where we compared our Kundalini experiences because they're very different.
4: Oh, interesting. That was a super yeah. cool show.
0: The, uh, yeah, that was cool. The book is called... Oh man, it has a oh, fun, f- fun title. I can't remember it. Yeah, and uh, it, it's written in, like the way Jeremy talks. Yeah, so. well, that's how he writes
6: his books. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very conversational. It's, it's got his like amazing snark and sarcasm. I mean, it's it and is
0: self-deprecation.
6: Uh, yeah, entertaining uh, to to the the very you know nth degree, regardless isn't it, of. Isn't the it topic. the
0: first and final disclosure? i, think, I that's, think that's the think secondary
6: so. title it's got
0: see.
6: like a
5: header and then that's the secondary title but that's the part i remember
4: i'm trying to look <laughs> it up but i can't spell his name
5: D- <laughs> V-A-E. yeah. i'm sure his, um, ear, his ears are burning right now because, right.
0: So, <laughs> yeah. Well, but yeah he took over doing that i think at the end of october and he's uh, he still has the Our Undoing podcast too,
6: right? Right. Which yep. is
0: uh, mostly old episodes of um, Paratopia with him and Jeff, mm-hmm. if I'm remembering right.
6: Yes, yes, yeah. That's where I found. Oh, the, here we uh, go. Paratopia stuff. Uh, you, you're right, Soraya. It is Aliens: that's The First it. and Final Disclosure. Oh yeah, I knew <laughs> something I was
0: missing. And it and it's so it's <laughs> so <laughs> speaking to an audience who is going to hate it. <laughs> It is <laughs> well the people
5: that are gonna hate it are the ones that need to hear it the most yeah you know, well that, that was his <laughs>
0: argument
3: yeah maybe by next year they'll be ready to listen to that message. why next so, year uh, I don't know like, like another year in which they will not get disclosure
0: mm. but it's yeah. just around the corner yeah <laughs> yeah well so I don't know because, talk about uh, dangling
2: one thing sex. is interesting and I, I I was thinking about this in terms of end of year uh i don't know i know that you taylor do some astrology i don't know if the some of the rest of you do i i don't in, but in the sense that uh but i do follow people uh you know who talk about mundane astrology which i find very interesting which is you know astrology of the world and um uh, as some of you might know there are a couple of shifts that are coming up that do very much have to do with uh like technological and communication based uh, uh leaps and advances uh and usually the way that mundane astrology works is that you know it's a lot of looking at past world events when there were these certain conjunctions uh you know or certain uh patterns that were happening and so we have some very strong ones coming up between now and like 2025, uh, and then furthermore, that sort of resolve, not resolve, but go up into the mid 2030s that have to do with breakthroughs in technology and communications technology, um, which I've found very interesting to, you know, hear many people in the mundane astrology world talking about. Not that that's going to be disclosure, but I do think it's sort of relevant, uh, uh, in some ways to what we're talking about is that this is, this is another like, You know, silicon uh, uh, like transistor type um, uh, breakthrough type thing, like big Hmm. stuff. Cross your fingers. Quantum computing related or something. Yeah. Who? I mean, who? I don't know. I guess we could like take our pick at like what we think it could be. I think communication is the sort of the the keyword, and that has particularly to do with maybe you know Mercury in the mix. I I, I, am the last person to. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm not familiar
4: with with what you're talking about exactly, but I would guess that's some kind of like conjunctions with Mercury. It
2: is a conjunction. Yeah. It's like, I think it's, it's, it's Mercury, you know, Uranus and, um, uh, uh, maybe Pluto. I think, uh, again, you're hearing the limits of what the astrology part of it. I, I'm interested in more from like a esoteric, you know, world events type thing, but I find mundane astrology be very interesting. So, well,
6: you know, one other thing that we're on the cusp of now is, uh, uh, nuclear fusion as opposed to fission that
2: is something that just yeah you're very Mm -hmm. right china and then us yeah yeah you know we i'm sorry pluto pluto entering aquarius and then neptune entering aries i was completely wrong about this and uh mercury uranus entering gemini um yeah yeah that's what it was so no mercury
0: yeah it's yeah. interesting that Pluto's still included in astro- astrology Isn't wow. it?
5: i mean well it didn't yeah. used to be really they didn't know it existed right because they added it in later you know uh, i didn't know that that makes
6: sense though yeah, the yeah, whole thing I
4: mean, with Pluto and whether it's a planet or not, I, I don't I don't think that it matters as much as like it, some of the conversations out there tend to make it seem like it
5: matters. It doesn't matter in the sense of astrology, I don't
2: right. think. Right. No, because, you know, other any celestial body has some relevance. No, there there
5: know. are still
4: astrologers out there who don't use any of those three planets. Right. Um, that you know, would I mean, be using, like,
2: Vedic astrology or, you know, yeah,
3: Hellenistic yeah. astrology, maybe?
2: I'd, yeah. That could be. I don't know off the top of my head.
3: I mean, yeah. I personally find it hilarious that in the Pioneer uh, Space prof they send a plaque, like, showing, uh, like, instructions to how to get to Earth. Right. To any right. Pot- potential aliens that will discover the the, the artifact. Yeah. And in that plaque, that is very symbolic, but they do show uh, the nine planets, you know, including Pluto. Mm -hmm. Now that Pluto is not a planet, I think the poor aliens are going to get lost.
4: (laughs) (laughs) They're looking for for planet X.
0: Yes. (laughs) Mm, That's a very interesting point. Not that that's a really easy map to follow anyway. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Star system with nine planets. Yeah. Cool, yeah. All right.
3: <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. There's like twelve other like mini planets outside this <laughs> thing.
0: <laughs> what what counts as a planet? Maybe those are rings. I don't know.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, communicating with an, a truly alien intelligence would be very, very difficult.
4: Mm-hmm. You know, you now you just s- got me Googling the, the Voyager records.
0: I mean, you could say, well, mathematics could do it. Maybe, maybe. But, I mean, their understanding of mathematics may work differently. Their understanding of, of space and time may work differently.
2: <laughs> That's why it's got to be
3: music, man. <laughs> bum, 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 bum. If they yeah, have ears. M- music depends on time, on true, tempo. True,
5: true. It, it also s- depends say that, on... Yeah. Knowing what a record is and how you're going to play it.
3: Right. (laughs)
5: Exactly. Yep. Yeah.
4: What? You mean aliens don't have phonographs?
5: Uh, Well, they might. (laughs) Only the hipster aliens do. (laughs) Everyone (laughs) else has cassettes.
0: You know, it's interesting because, like, when you think about it, all life is connected by, like, this continuous stream. Like, it started at one point on our planet. We're all connected to that first point. Because life doesn't just appear. So then mm-hmm. you have to wonder, are we also connected to life out there? Like, did life from here come from out there? And if not, what are the chances that it just spontaneously arises somewhere else? Because as far as we know, it's only happened once here.
4: Yeah, that's an interesting question. I don't know. I guess I, I tend to speculate that maybe life here came from some kind of celestial collisions or something. Mm. um or you yeah, know
6: but,
3: like but, spermia
6: or something like that potentially uh, from uh,
3: mars i mean scientists are now saying and this is a recent uh, science news story that broke uh, this month science scientists are now saying that probably life emerged first on mars rather than, on, than it, on earth
4: it would make more sense for it to have come here from somewhere else than to have spontaneously generated here but you know, at the same time, like you're just pulling the thread back further, right? I mean, it's it's the same with anything. You, you get you get far back enough, okay, you still haven't answered the question of where that came from exactly, right? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a uh, I'm not a scientist.
6: I always get very fascinated of the idea of um, you know, life being engineered. Uh, on a planet and the idea of, OK, I'm going to plant this seed that is something like a single celled organism. But I've coded in all of this growth that's going to happen over time of you know replication of species existing, begetting other species and on and on and on. It's a it's a neat idea, but it's one of those things that I, I'm, I don't know if I ever think is actually as possible as some people would like it to be. In the well, sense of being like an outside force manipulating it over, you know, billions like of years. The engineers from Prometheus. Yes, yes exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I would think of it
4: more like, I mean, you know, you mentioned seeds, right? We're talking like literal seeds in in some capacity, but that evokes the image in my head of like a seed in a, a game that creates random worlds like Minecraft, for instance. Ah, so you, yeah. you have this spark, but then everything that happens after that is all. It's based on that, but it's, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, random, you know, based on some kind of algorithm. So it changes based on whatever that's, that starting, you know, seed is. But so I guess what I'm saying is, do you think that it would, that it would be something that's Mm -hmm. so planned out from the beginning? Or do you think it's something that happened because of, um, you know, just. Causation and, and evolution, I guess.
6: Maybe a bit of both, Taylor, because, you sure. know, I'm also fascinated by like fractals and how they repeat. And mm-hmm. But, you know, it's an initial equation that's launched out there that turns into that. Right. Um, and I, I actually sort of think life is a lot more tenacious than we give it credit for, which makes it stranger that we don't, at least right now, see other things necessarily. Um, because think of the cataclysms we've had on this planet. And, you know, we shouldn't be the dominant species. Um, uh, you know, 65 million years ago, it was giant, uh, you know, dinosaurs and, uh, somehow, you know, life persevered despite all the changes that happened after the impact. So anyway, and, and that's happened more than once. If you look back at other giant cataclysms that have happened on the planet, but I think that says a little bit more about life being willing to change and adapt to thrive. Oh yeah. Yeah. Tenacious is a good word for it. I mean the basic algorithm for
3: life is DNA, right? I mean that's mm-hmm. the thing that's the stuff that everything from fungi to sequoia trees to us is based on and I find it fascinating you know i'm I'm, I'm still trying to finish uh the book DMT the Spirit Molecule how some of the volunteers in that uh, study mm, they had this yeah. I mean many of them had visions of DNA type, uh, spirals, like that's kind of like one of the most common things that they had during these experiences. And one of the, those volunteers also had this idea that the best way to travel through the universe is not with metal spaceships is with DNA, like sending DNA out through the cosmos, mm, you know, because you know, for lifetime eventually is you know, uh, unimportant you yeah. know, mi- millions of years, billions of years. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much it, ta- it takes for DNA to arrive from a planet to another and take root and start spreading into, you know, countless, uh, new life forms.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Just like the engineers from Prometheus. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I also wonder too, from sort of a more, um, speculative mystical standpoint if you 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 know if you look at the if you look at creation as being something that is emerging from consciousness rather than consciousness emerging from physical matter Mm -hmm. then i think it could follow that you would think that there are you know in these sort of underlying uh you know interpenetrating spheres that are part of existence that we see glimpses of the other world that if that somehow has something to do with consciousness too, that there could be, you know, laws that are like our physical laws that we have here in the material world, you know, gross world, um, that these other laws, uh, you know, can sort of, I don't want to say, uh, s- um, supersede physical laws, but they cause things that, to us seem anomalous, but uh, really are part of a natural system that we just don't understand uh, part of the, I don't want to use the word physics, but the operations of these underlying systems that are not based on material. And in that sense, if life is then an extension of consciousness, then some of these systems could be working in sort of mysterious and strange oblique ways that we don't quite understand Along with things like panspermia and you know, um, I guess uh, engineered DNA or whatever other speculations we throw out there, uh, something I often think about too, that like what if the systems aren't just physical that are perpetuating some of these things we talk about in terms of extraterrestrial life and panspermia and stuff like that?
3: I mean, getting back to the DMT uh, stuff and the DMT uh, trials that uh, Rick Strassman's conducted in the 1990s, after the volunteers uh, go through the uh, the like the DNA uh, helix stuff, they go to the logo stuff. You know, a realm that is f- uh, full of symbols and and algorithms and numbers that they couldn't comprehend, but kind of like Give that impression, Chris, that that there is some kind of like consciousness that first has to manifest mm-hmm. in sense of uh, ideas and words and numbers and yeah. rational expressions and those expressions then take root into the material. And self-organize yeah. in the form of uh, DNA and and yeah. you know molecules, yeah. self-assembling molecules, and you then you get what you had. You have uh, machines that use those molecules for their purposes, and we call those cells. Yeah,
4: yeah. exactly. And, and they're still connected yeah, to that that aspect of consciousness. Yeah. you know, yes. which makes something yeah. like using DMT or other, you know, other. Uh, plant medicines i guess for lack of a better word to interface with whatever that is that yeah that's fascinating this
2: really goes i mean to me at least at all and it's probably just a lot to do with my upbringing but this all very much seems to me uh, the same as these vedic concepts of you know uh, the the three bodies and the three sort of worlds where you have this mental seed body which is they it is referred to as a seed and it is, or the, the mental sphere. And then from that emerges the pranic sphere, which is the, the sort of the energy to then create what is the material sphere. Um, uh, it, to me, it's at least if you look at sort of particularly the Advaita, Vedanta, you know, uh, that side of, cause I know Ve- Vedic, um, writings and Hinduism is a lot of stuff in there, but very particularly this sort of, this is like the oldest oldest stuff that exists in sanskrit um you know uh even sort of prior to the 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 krishnan rama and stuff like that and it's um it's, it's interesting i mean this i'm not the that I'm, I'm certainly not the first person that's made this connection there's plenty of stuff you know going i don't know graham Hancock site and you'll find a bunch of stuff about you know this uh Vedic science, but I find it very interesting.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah, well, I mean, I tend to think pretty much along the exact same lines as you described there, um, and I think sometimes that the the underlying invisible supports for the material reality that we have and that we can all agree exists and can experience together um, sometimes needs to shift to to like a um, accommodate something that has changed. Yeah, th- that's where we see anomalies. It's yeah. almost—it's almost like a like a um. Now I'm forgetting the word that I wanted to use for it, but. <laughs> <laughs> Recolon. Uh, it's t- t- there's like a displacement going on, so th- there has to be uh th- there has to be some other non-material
1: entropy.
5: Uh, Entropy—that's the word I was looking mm. for. Yeah, uh, there's an entropy on a non-physical um uh, support level of of material reality and that can that can present in the material yeah. realm as as something anomalous that you can't explain mm-hmm. which can sometimes be much more Douglas Adams than H.P. Lovecraft um <laughs> <laughs> where- <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to picture this could you give an example <laughs> um it's hard to give exact examples but i uh, i mean yeah i i think of well i mean it's hard to because you end up getting into territory that can upset people, but, um, Oh, okay. Well, because, all right. So the concept of like saying everything happens for a reason when somebody suffers a terrible loss right, is never, not as comforting as anybody ever thinks it is when they actually say it. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but when, when, um, but, but when you think about like, you know, terrible things do happen and then sometimes, good things happen that would not have happened if the terrible thing didn't happen in the first place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it seems like there's, that's the basics of what fate is. Right. Um, Right, fate is the never-ending twists and turns, and uh, I think largely what I'm always interested in is is the weird stuff. Mm-hmm. And the word weird also comes from a root word, which is the same as fate. W Y R D. Weird. Right? Yep. So, so um, it's the the fateful twists and turns that happen in everybody's life all the time that almost seem unbelievable when when you're actually confronted with the whole of it. When you take a look back at your life and think about things that had to fall into place just the way they did to um, uh, in order for the things you have now to have happened, right? So the way I described it recently was... Um, it's amazing that anything exists at all when you think about it that way. Yes. In order for, in order for, yeah. In order for the six of us to be sitting here having a conversation, everything that has ever happened had to have happened exactly the way it happened. Right. Any deviation from that would mean that the six of us weren't sitting here talking right now, which is for me to be able to say that convoluted sentence. (laughs) Sure so i mean i think sometimes yeah what if there is a retconning what if there is like an underlying support structure where there are intelligences Mm consciousnesses entities that are able to like go back in time and fix something
2: sure Mm -hmm. well i mean this is this takes me back to the the idea that valet supposes of a control system and i don't think that you you know i mean Even if you just take that particular phrase, a control system, and you think about, you know, the world or the environment as a system and that, you know, as in most other things, if not almost every other thing that we observe here in nature and in stuff that is human made. There are systems of control that are put in place uh, in order to facilitate the running or the operation. It just seems like that's something that needs to happen for things to operate. Um, and, you know, I really, not that I have any idea what's going on or what it is, but I do think that there's something there that is, you know, we shouldn't look away from if we're trying to get to the bottom of, I don't know, uh, ufo phenomenon for example is to think about it in terms of that now what it is of course yeah that we got you know decades to not figure it out uh if not centuries and
3: eons but yeah because the bigger question is uh not whether there is a control system or not but what is its purpose is the purpose of the control system to keep things running as they are or to try to change things in right. order to, you know, improve it, improve right. the system. Right, sure.
2: Is it, is it, and it, how do we fit into the control system? Like, exactly. are we, Are we? you know, we being, you know, human consciousness, are we, uh, is our free will something that needs to be put in check? Or is it, exactly. you know, something else? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. And we're gonna take a quick break here, and uh, I'm gonna give you another recommendation again for a fictional podcast. Because there's a bunch of them that are really, really good. Uh, this one has finished, but of course you could still go listen to it. It's called Ars Paradoxica, and it's A R S and Paradox I C A. And this thing is uh, phenomenal. It's a very complex story. I think I ended up having to listen to it twice. That deals with time travel, and uh, it's good. It's really, really good. And if you like time travel stuff if you like complicated stories and uh well paradoxes for that matter so check it out it's done very very well and as I said it's a complete story because it's done well worth your time if you're into that type of stuff so as I've said before if you have a story you want to share with us you can do so at stories at com. eventually we'll compile them into a listener story episode or if you want to come on and talk about your story same address stories at Um, you can mail me stuff physically at P.O. Box 444 Ovid New York 145 to and you can find all our social media at www.wherdottheroadgo.com. So everything is linked there. And we are closing in on our 10th anniversary show coming up very soon here on Where Did the Road Go? You're listening to Where Did the Road Go? And I have with me uh, Super Inframan and Red Pill Junkie and Taylor and Chris Ernst and AP Strange. Yo. And we left off talking about control systems. Yeah. Yeah.
5: And, and, uh, <laughs> well, i think it's helpful to think of it sort of like an ecosystem right because uh, an ecosystem yeah an ecosystem is an example of a control system where all the different species flora and fauna and also atmospheric and weather conditions all have to play a part to keep things running the way they do and if you upset mm-hmm. the order of any of that it dramatically changes what that all looks like uh, yeah so. but
4: but there is also wiggle room you know i mean like like uh, you know for example the the specific places that some you know flora grow or how much or whatever and it does it does change the balance right but you know thinking of like a real life example it's the the difference of whether i put like butter or peanut butter on my toast right that might not have a tremendous impact on whether or not we're sitting here having this conversation but there's there's an overarching kind of um, uh, I guess yeah system that's at play that that seems to be or or maybe is um, pulling pulling those threads together I guess I don't know if that made sense.
3: Speaking of ecological systems and you know bringing back the conversation to the stories of 2022, one of the bigger stories that happened this year is the death of uh, James Lovelock, who was oh, yeah. a British scientist. Yeah, right. Who, who helped coin the term of uh, the, you know, the Gaia hypothesis, which is okay. like I think now called Earth yes, Earth systems, Earth science systems, and this is the guy that began giving the ideas, giving, putting the seed into our consciousness, the idea of of the Earth as a living being. You know, where where all, everything is trying to reach some sort of equilibrium and and speaking of Jeremy Bainey he recently had uh, a friend of mine book who is uh, he lives in serbia
2: you guys he, what he was on here wasn't he uh, he yeah. also was yeah
3: yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah yeah absolutely right. and and he's very big on on the gaia hypothesis and how it is related with what we call the paranormal. And I think it, it, there is a lot of things yeah. that, that can be talked about that, you know, there are a lot of people who see that, uh, you know, the idea of the trickster being part of that control system to try to keep uh, uh, some kind of a, like equilibrium when, you know, societies run stagnant. And it's time to like kick them in the butt,
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: In order to try to elicit uh, positive change, or at least some kind of change out of stagnation. So yeah, yeah. So the Gaia, the Gaia hypothesis is think definitely one of the the most uh, popular and most important scientific theories of the 20th century.
4: Yeah, it, it's a very interesting theory, and I I'm a fan of some of those concepts of you know the the whole earth as being this kind of living system right yeah. that's a uh, that's cool stuff also uh vuk has um a podcast called tracing
5: owls i i yes. just recently started listening to it it's, it's pretty good mm-hmm. yeah i mean red pill and i were both on there i think right were yes. you on there yes
3: yeah. i am and, and i am number one in the, in
6: <laughs> the, in the nice nice as of today oh yeah congratulations <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, you know, I've got to be on there at some point. He asked me a while back, and I, I haven't had time. So I now my goal is to lap Red Pill. I don't think it's going to happen, exactly, but I'm going to try. yeah. yeah. Good luck.
0: <laughs> so what, what other documentaries have come out this year? Well, one of the most important
3: documentaries with regards to the UFO phenomenon was aerial phenomenon
0: mm,
2: yeah oh i heard good things what
5: is Brad right?
3: nickerson is that the director nick nick nickerson i believe so I, I don't have that uh in front of me right now but yeah uh, i haven't
2: seen it yet but i've i've heard a couple of interviews with him and i oh I've been, you haven't been, yet well yeah i've been i've been uh tra- tracing it since god it must have been the aughts when he started he'd been working on it for like 10 15 years now it's on my life just I now probably just today have time to do things finally again.
3: So I'm it's gonna, now all in all major streaming platforms. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rent it over the next couple of days.
3: And it's what highly, is, highly what is it, it about? Yeah, about the aerial UFO case that I think happened in 1925 yeah before. it's in zimbabwe, here. Okay. So zimbabwe.
2: Yeah.
3: School. okay yeah Do- dozens of children who saw what seemed to have been some kind of like object that landed or or uh, hovered near their school ground and they also observed entities near the subject and some of the kids also had what seems to be uh, what what we, we we could only describe as telepathic communication yeah, with yeah. the entities that seem to have highly ecological undertones, getting back yeah. to the idea of Gaia, these kids had the idea that we were killing the earth, yeah. that we need to stop, uh, like, uh, regarding so much on technology uh, in order to save our planet. And obviously these kids were like six years old, 12 years old when that happened. Now these kids are adults and the documentary follows some of them and interview them and trying to like answer the question of how what happens with a person that is carrying the weight of this uh, experience throughout their their adult life. You know, and and obviously a, a lot of them, for a lot of them, it wasn't easy. Like one of the girls that was interviewed, like very candidly said that she's never discussed the experience with her husband. Like, imagine that it's, it's kind of like equating the, the, the UFO experience with, uh, being raped when you were a kid, you know, like something like you cannot even talk to the the people closer to you in your, in your, in your life. And I, I found it fascinating, you know, that, uh, to be honest, I. uh, even very emotional at times, and I don't know, the, 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 it also I like the idea that it didn't really rely on the ETH angle in order to tell the story, like it wasn't really that important, like trying to convince the viewer that, oh yes, this kid saw um, like an extraterrestrial spacecraft that landed on Earth and they, you know, contacted ETs that's really not what it's about. It's about the human aspect of the contact experience, which to me is really the most important thing of this whole thing.
0: Yes. Yeah. We did do a show on that at one point. Uh, Mm -hmm. Jeff Ritzman wanted to do it. So it was me, Jeff, and I want to say Joshua Cutchin, but I'm not sure.
3: Mm.
4: That could be certainly a very traumatic, I mean, any, any,
2: you know, close encounter uh, could be a very traumatic incident. Mm -hmm. It's a really interesting case. And John Mack was, uh, you know, before he passed, was or before he was killed um uh I, I don't mean that in any nefarious way but he was struck by a car um yes. yeah he was working on this uh prior to his death too
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah hmm. um well although it didn't technically come out chris did a documentary on where did the road go
2: i did and it really will be out like i said i mean we're we're on schedule i am got to finish up some of the stuff this week so we'll have it Probably next month, maybe end of next month, um, before nice. I start my next semester, uh, and hopefully everybody will be able to see that. I got to you, look. I got to go provide. Uh, I got to provide Soraya with some, I like, guess, a couple of pickup lines to introduce some of the sections.
0: And you did air uh, it at Strange Realities, and that I did air it at Strange Realities. That yeah. whole thing so, with the Q and A is available in the Patreon section of yep. Where Did the Road Go. So if anyone yep. wants an early, see an early version of it, it's there. Yeah, yeah, it'll be uh, you know slightly different
2: um uh does does it have a title yet yeah it's called magicians long to see Mm. oh
4: i like that that's cool gotta fit in a twin peaks reference
2: of course i got him
1: yeah
2: (laughs) (laughs) um
4: speaking of uh things that that came out in 2022 as far as like um documentaries or movies uh has anybody here seen the movie nope by jordan peele oh yes oh yeah
6: oh yeah good to bring that up I, I,
4: I very
0: much enjoyed it. it I just terrible.
4: finally watched it. It was, uh, it was incredible.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's go ahead,
4: Taylor. Oh, I was, I was just going to describe it for anybody who yeah, hasn't seen Spo- it. So spoiler free. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, uh, it's a movie that, you know, from the trailer, um, it appears to be about sort of a, a, um, town in, in the Southwest, I think in California. Um, and these, uh, these two people who are, um, essentially like, uh, horse ranchers. And, um, they begin to have some kind of UFO experiences and it, uh, it goes
2: in some very, very interesting directions. It's a, it's a cool take on the UFO phenomena. Um, I was pleasantly surprised with where they went with it. I didn't know if I would be, but I was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would say, you know, at least, um,
4: parts of it definitely strike me as like leaning into the horror genre, but you know, there's certainly a lot more to it than that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it, much like a lot of Jordan Peele's movies, it, it really is kind of a blend of different things, different genres, and and um, mm-hmm. sort of feels like a a very unique and cohesive piece. Um, so I definitely recommend anybody and, out there who's interested watch it.
0: And once you've watched it, go read the trivia on IMDb, because oh. there's a lot of really interesting things hidden in that movie. Oh, okay. Oh, interesting. interesting. Yeah. Like timing of when things happen and stuff like that. Uh, he, he hit a lot of stuff in there you wouldn't think to look for. Yeah, there are a lot
3: of reference to old uh, contactees from the 1950s. Huh. okay. Springfield oh. there, here and there that I noticed. But also, I mean, to me, the, one of the most interesting things about the movie is uh, – uh, aside from some interesting correlations to the infamous Skinwalker Ranch in Utah, uh, the idea about uh, evidence—trying to get gather evidence about something hmm. paranormal—but what are you what are you seeking to u- to use the evidence for? You know, I mean, in the case of uh, of, of the movie, and uh, I guess it's a mild spoiler. That you know, is the idea is. Get the evidence of something paranormal in order to cash in, you know, yeah, in order yep. to, yeah, yeah. to to profit from it economically. Uh, and there are other characters in the, in the movie for which it seems to be something more primordial or something more existential. The idea of getting that evidence of of, of something really wonderful and, and and mysterious in the in the world. But yeah, I mean, it it, it really raises the question uh, that. You know, ufologists should make themselves more frequently, okay, why are you struggling so much to try to prove the existence of UFOs? What is it that you're trying to achieve,
0: really? Yeah
4: yeah and I love that motivation That's a really good point yeah mm-hmm. the, it's it's just so well done, it's so funny
1: <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. and and to me, it comes down to why why are people wasting their time trying to prove something that clearly exists, which is the these right. unusual phenomena uh to people who clearly are never going to care, yeah, that's a good question, yeah, yeah.
6: yeah. Do you feel like there's more of a contingent these days of people just not needing uh that confirmation? You know, we talked earlier about, you know, disclosure coming one day, you know, and people that always think it's like just around the corner. But, you know, for the people that uh have just accepted like it's not coming, does that seem like that's grown more or does it still seem like it's a small pocket? So
4: I don't wanna I don't wanna get political at all, but broadly I, I think that there are some parallels with that idea of Um, that attitude shifting and also, um, the way that, uh, the way that people consume like news media has shifted into, um, kind of just, I think, I think probably Saxon, I think there's a lot of people who, um, find their niche and don't worry as much about wanting to, um, have it proved to them so Mm -hmm. much as they're just going to believe it because they've had a personal experience or, They've become somehow convinced through you know emotional means or, or whatever. I think that applies to you know that the the anomalous as well as um, real life you know or quote unquote right like you know everyday public sphere kind of
6: interactions. Right. Right. I hadn't thought about that correlation. That makes a lot of sense. Mm. Um,
5: yeah. I mean it comes down to like do you want proof or disclosure or an authoritative voice validating what you already believe right, right? yeah mm-hmm. and if i'm if i'm going to appeal to any authority for what or is or is not true i'm not really not sure the us government is at the top of my list
1: right <laughs> exactly <laughs>
5: It's the same government that couldn't verify my identity when I tried to file for taxes a couple of years ago. Which lasts.
3: <laughs> okay, so what kind of authority will suit your needs, or, or will suit your expectations?
5: Um, I I don't think I really need one. I, I don't yeah. think I I don't re, I don't personally yeah. require the validation myself. Sure, no.
3: but if there was, you know, someone or some some institution that you know tomorrow will say, you know. Uh, we have confirmation that uh, UFOs exist and they are not, uh, you know, man made or natural phenomena. What will be the ideal?
5: Well, that's what, that's what I'm wondering is like, where is that threshold for disclosure? Where, where, where has that been moved to? Where have we moved the goalpost to? Because, I mean, it seems like some people won't be happy until they hear from the White House itself that we have a flying saucer in a hangar somewhere that was recovered and reverse engineered, you know. Uh,
4: They won't be happy then either. Right, right, right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Does it have to be the Pope? Does it have to be the United Nations? Or is there no, you know, I mean, I can think. You know, both of those circumstances would have a lot of people rejecting it as false narrative. Well, right, sure.
5: because the disclosure advocates can't even really sm- celebrate the small victories because you know some reports will come out and and they'll say that, uh, oh well, I mean, hey, the government just said that that UFOs are real and nobody cares, nobody's
3: talking about it. Yeah. It's just like- <laughs> yeah. I mean. Getting back to the idea of uh, uh we talked about John Mack and, and talking about another Harvard scientist on a personal crusade. There is uh, Abbey Loeb, mm-hmm. you know, the astrophysicist who became prominent because of his uh, theory that uh, Oumuamua was some kind of like interstellar object of uh, you know, of intelligent design that uh, visited our solar system, and now one of the Another one of the 22, 22, uh stories is that he, with his uh, Galileo project, now their main purpose is to try to go to Papua New Guinea, uh, try to retrieve this uh, uh, meteorite or this object that fell into the, uh, I guess is the Indian Ocean or the Pacific Ocean, Uh, that it is of uh, uh, extrasolar origin. And Loeb, for some reason, thinks that there is a good chance it might be uh, an extraterrestrial probe that crashed on Earth. Uh, But even if they manage to retrieve it, and even if they manage to prove that it is artificial, uh, I'm sure that a lot of people, you know, most, 99% of the scientific community, will disregard it, you know, they they will refute it, and this will be a controversy for probably decades.
0: Why does he think it's a probe? Uh,
3: He thinks that uh, there's a good, I don't know, really, it's a good question. Uh, Maybe (laughs) the way that it uh, crashed, I don't know, the velocity or the the trajectory of the the object after it uh, entered our atmosphere. Mm. But uh and, and also the composition, I think that is uh, uh, too dense, you know, in, in, in its uh, volume to be just a uh, simple rock.
0: Gotcha. Interesting. Okay. Mm. All right. Well, we are just about out of time. Um.
3: <laughs> we, we didn't even cover half of the, the list that I compiled. <laughs> Lightning round. Another, yeah, another round.
0: So, uh, let's go around though. Uh, Taylor, where can people find you? Um, right now, uh, Sigil Tarot and uh, Green
4: Greenline podcast and I'm starting a gaming podcast. So if anybody out there is interested stories and lies, um, it's going to be launching probably when this comes out.
0: Okay. Uh, super inframan.
6: Yeah. You know, I am on Instagram and Mastodon under super inframan and I always know Saxon Williams in my bio. So, those are the places I hang out these days.
0: Discord as well. Discord as well, yeah. Chris, uh, you
2: if you want to see the stuff I do? I uh, can go to brightrectangle.com, and that'll take you the links where you can watch stuff I do, and otherwise, uh you know, I'll be here. Uh, uh, hopefully, a little bit more because uh, I'm done with my semester. <laughs> nice.
3: Um Red pill. Well, I'm still on Twitter. We'll try and to destroy the site from within. and make uh, elon musk poor or bankrupt or 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 crazy Uh, and and you can find me also at the daily grail uh, dailygrail.com and also at my personal website absurdbydesign.com
0: okay and ap um you can find
5: my weird writings at apstrange.com um i've also lately been writing for paranormality magazine so um
0: and that's a print, print magazine
5: it is print but you can get a digital subscription too or you can purchase issues digitally or in print um either way on the on the website but i have a few up there that are online only um and we'll be producing more of those uh also sticking around on twitter till the bitter end uh (laughs) it's been getting pretty pretty grim over there but um it's been worth worth it for the memes that people have just been merciless towards old Muskie there um (laughs) and so also i've been using instagram and mastodon a little bit more so you can find me on those platforms
0: all right well i thank you all this has been great thank you Mm
3: -hmm. all right thanks thank you Happy new year.
0: I'd like to take a moment here to thank all of my Patreons because without you, this show would not be what it is. And I want to give a special shout out to those of you pledging $10 or more. Allison Cook, super inframan, 36 dingo, Chuck Shudders, Leanne cherry, CJ, Tim, Andrew Nichols, Matthew Sproul, Christine, a blue second gen MR2 drifting around a Japanese mountain. Patricia Gayaquinta, Alex Whitcomb, American Rambler, Andrew Maines, Ann Witowski, Barbara Fisher, Beverly Williamson, Big Boy Lemina, Charles Davis, Charles in Florida, Land of the Crazy and Communicable, Christopher Ernst, Craig Cicernos, Billuminati, Craig Parmenter, Diane B., Empty K., Eric Todd, J., James Lattimore, James Lindsay, Jim Pyre, John Bracken, Carla Mahoney, Kevin, Kevin Shrek, Cool Kitty, Kristen L, Laser Printer Jam, Seed Person One, Lauren McLean, Lynz Jackson K, Luke Osborne, M J Armstrong, Jim and Sophie, Mark Brady, Matt in Delaware, Oli Andre Olar, Patricia W, Paul Jeffries, Philosopher of Mirrors. Ray Benedetto, Riker and Stark, Ron Dupre, Sam Sharon, Stacy Sherwood, Tactical Therapist, Taylor Bell, Thunderboy, Tyler Glimstead, Veroshke, K, Vincent Trewell, Walker, Will Gebhard, Will Powell, Ren Collier, Stephen D., Amber Hall, and Craig Sagastumi. I thank all of you for the incredible support. So we will be continuing this next week in a part two of our mega roundtable show here end of the year roundup as we only got through about half of what red pill had pulled out for us to talk about so that's pretty awesome uh more or less the same lineup next week there's no patreon segment for this one but i do have some patreon stuff i'm going to put up and uh it's the end of the year so at the end of the year patreons uh get sort of uh something extra as well so if you're a patron that'll be coming soon uh if you want to become a patron it's only three dollars a month you get the shows a week early you get extra content on almost every show, plus some special stuff mixed in there as well. And I want to give a shout out to two of my new patrons this week, AJ Schlechton and David McCourt. Thank you and all my patrons for helping support this show. We're going to take you out with some another new song from Vrangvent, and uh, you can find them at their website, which is just vrangvent.com, V-R-A-N-G-V-E-N-D-T. Some of this stuff is up on Bandcamp as well. If you like it, uh, so you can get it there. This is brand new. This is a song called Sinful Nature. And I will see you next time.